Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The FT. Welcome to Banking Weekly from the Financial Times with me, Patrick Jenkins. Joining me in the studio today are Martin Arnold, our banking editor, and Sam Fleming, financial policy correspondent. Today we'll be looking at the latest provisioning from the banks over the foreign exchange scandal. We'll be looking at further developments in the building up of capital from banks as regulators move the goalposts once again. And finally, the latest news at Standard Chartered, where pressure is mounting on management. Foreign exchange, Martin. First up, we've had on Monday results from HSBC, and they've become the latest bank to set aside a pretty substantial sum to cover an expected settlement on foreign exchange manipulation with the UK regulator. That's right. HSBC have taken a provision of $380 million dollars, which they say is specifically to cover the likely cost of a settlement should it be agreed with the um, Financial Conduct Authority in the UK for suspected manipulation of the foreign exchange markets. They are one of six banks that are in talks with the FCA as we speak, and a settlement is expected to be announced as early as this month. That's the target for the FCA. And all the other five banks have already taken provisions, which they've said are at least in part to cover the cost of settling the Forex investigations. And in total, they add up to uh, more than $5 billion. Now, this is a UK settlement that we're expecting, as you say. Obviously, there are other authorities around the world that are looking into this whole alleged abuse. The US in particular is very keen on pursuing the banks over this. To what extent is it likely that they join up with the FCA on any settlement? I think it's unlikely that, well, I think it's impossible that all of the regulatory agencies around the world looking into suspected Forex manipulation will agree a global coordinated settlement this month with these six banks. I think it's possible that one or two other regulators will join in with the FCA and have a combined settlement with these six banks. But the messaging we've had from other banks and from HSBC's chief executive this morning is that there is limited coordination that they can see between the regulators on this, particularly the Department of Justice, which is thought to be behind the FCA in terms of where they've got to in their investigation. And there's also the CFTC in the US and there's other European regulators looking at this as well. So this settlement that's coming for these six banks, which are UBS, Citigroup, JP Morgan, RBS, Barclays and HSBC, is probably going to be part of the cost of the Forex issue, not the whole thing. Right. Well, that's obviously something that will develop over the coming months and possibly years, I guess. Other banks involved as well and certainly other authorities, as you say. 
Let's move on to our second topic of the day. It's only a week or barely over a week since we got the results of the pan-European asset quality review and stress tests. But capital is back at the top of the list of things that banks and regulators are thinking about. Leverage is on the agenda in the UK or has been. And Sam, you're looking forward as well to the G20 debate over the extent to which so-called TLAC is going to be a new target. Yes, that's right. If you think about the panoply of capital measures we've seen recently, they really seem to be piling up and TLAC is the latest. This stands for Total Loss Absorbing Capacity. This is a new global standard for the amount of debt that banks will have to hold that can be bailed in if they get into serious trouble. It's a way of ending this too-big-to-fail problem whereby taxpayers have to end up bailing out banks. The idea is that bondholders and equity holders should carry the losses instead. Uh, I say banks, the TLAC standard will apply to the globally systemically important banks, not every single bank, although there are still questions in Europe as to whether other banks feel that they need to start abiding by similar standards. The big question is how much TLAC will have to be held. The figures range from 16 to 20 and even more in terms of the share of risk-weighted assets of these big banks. When you say the numbers range from 16 to 20, this is the expectation of what the G20 will set? Yes, there have been leaks of the term sheets that the G20 have been discussing, and the range has been from 16 to 20 plus. Obviously, 16 to 20 is a very broad range. So uh, I think there's an awful lot of uncertainty really as to where this will land. And that is reflected certainly in analyst notes that we've seen where the numbers are really varying wildly in terms of how much extra debt they think banks may need to issue and indeed what kind of debt they will need to issue and where they will need to issue it from because that is one of the critical questions also is whether the banks can issue this debt from their operating companies or whether they need to issue debt from a holding company level. Also, just to be clear, the total TLAC numbers, so up to 20%, also include the so-called core equity tier one capital in that calculation. Yes, they do. Yeah. So what is new in this is the kind of top up amount that is going to be required from, as you say, the bail-inable debt. And so just a final point, when are we expecting to hear the final numbers on this? Well, the Brisbane G20 is meeting this month. Uh, The G20 is meeting in Brisbane in Australia this month. And that's when we will get greater indication as to what the number will be but there are many stages beyond that they have to do quantitative impact assessments and look at far more detail at um, at what the uh, the impact of these numbers would be on the individual banks concerned so uh, it's a long path ahead and uh, this is a standard which comes in 2019 but uh, what we have seen is once you get uh, some clarity in terms of these new capital hurdles then the investor bases of these banks tend to immediately demand that the banks start making strides towards meeting those hurdles. So banks won't be able to sit and wait. They will need to start getting ahead of the curve in the months ahead. Absolutely. Talking about getting ahead of the curve, Standard Chartered is back in the news. Martin, you were writing substantial amounts about them at the end of last week. More pressure on management and the board generally over, I suppose, a couple of things, yet another profit warning and yet another investigation by US authorities into sanctions breaches. Yeah, amongst other things, those are two of the issues that have upset investors in the past week. And as I understand it, some of the biggest investors have been contacting the chairman, Sir John Peace, to let their feelings be known that they're unhappy and they'd like to see action taken swiftly to remedy the uh, problems. And the question is whether 
part of the problem now is the management and, and particularly Peter Sands, who's been chief executive of Standard Chartered for eight years, and for much of that oversaw startling growth in their share price, their profits, their revenues, but in the last couple of years has really stumbled and seen their profits go into reverse as well as their growth and their share price has almost halved in the past two years. Now, there was a lot of noise about this whole tension with top shareholders back in the summer. You and I wrote a lot about that at the time. It seemed as if the row had abated somewhat at the beginning of September, October. But as you say, there's been a couple of flashpoints now for this to come back to the fore. How quickly then do you think something may happen? I don't know. But as I understand it, after their second profits warning of the year back in the summer, the chairman promised shareholders who complained then that he had everything in hand and he would take action and they would see some changes towards the end of the year or the early next year, perhaps with the full year results, which are likely to come out in February. Now I think shareholders are pushing for swifter measures and the board of Standard Chartered is meeting in Singapore tomorrow on Tuesday. And on the sidelines of that board meeting, I understand it, that non-executive directors will be talking to the chairman about whether to accelerate the succession plan for chief executive and to approach a short list of potential candidates that I understand has been drawn up to see whether they would be interested in replacing Peter Sands. So things could happen by the end of the year. Well, as I say, it's a matter of whether the uh, board can get ahead of that story. They seem to have been playing uh, catch-up with investor feelings for some time, but it does feel as if we're at a bit of a crunch time. That's it for this week. All that's left for me to do is to thank Martin and Sam, and also to thank you for listening. Remember, you can keep up to date with all of the latest banking stories at ft.com slash banking. Banking Weekly was produced by Fiona Simon. Until next week, goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts.